This podcast is sponsored by Agape Match. Agape Match is a boutique matchmaking service that caters to exceptional singles. To learn more about how I can help you, go to agapematch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria, and this is our first episode. Woohoo! I'm speaking to online dating expert, Erica Etten, and she'll be joining us as I answer your dating and relationship questions. Before we bring our guest on, I want to tell you a little bit more about what's been going on and a little bit more about this podcast. If you're just meeting me for the first time, hi, I'm Matchmaker Maria. I go by Matchmaker Maria because my last name has way too many syllables. It's Greek. I'm a fourth generation matchmaker. Basically, my grandmother and her grandmother were all matchmakers. I married. During a global pandemic, I had a baby. But before you get too excited, it's my second baby. I've been around the block. We're good. And I work in New York. To be honest, I thought I would go into the foreign service, but nope. My matchmaking lineage came at me like a freight train. In the last 12 years of professionally setting up people, I've met over 10,000 people for one-on-one interviews and set up over 3,000 first dates. I want to use all this knowledge that I've acquired over the years to answer your dating and relationship questions. So how did Ask a Matchmaker get started? Two years ago, I started Ask a Matchmaker on Instagram. Every Wednesday in my stories, I would ask for your questions and boy, did you deliver. When COVID kicked off, I took Ask a Matchmaker live on Zoom. After a few weeks, I decided to transition this into a podcast. And here we are today. Every week on the podcast, I will have a special guest who will help me answer your questions. I would love to hear from you. And one way to do that is to send an audio question to askamatchmakerpodcast at gmail.com. So let's get the first episode going. Today, we are going to be joined by Erica Etten. I chose Erica specifically for the Ask a Matchmaker first podcast episode because she is like a source of so much information when it comes to dating and specifically online dating. And because of the pandemic where online dating became a very popular form of dating, I mean, it was always pretty popular, but you know, when you're home and you can't meet people out and about or through friends, uh, online dating becomes your only source of meeting new people. It became, you know, it's a minefield that we have to learn how to navigate. And Erica was just such a great resource of information. I really wanted to have someone who's going to be helpful at this moment in time. And Erica is just one of those people. So as I said, Erica N is an online dating expert and dating coach who helps people navigate the world of online dating. Her expertise includes photo creation, photo selection, and photography, message writing, and date planning. So basically, she'll pretend to be you online to get you out on those dates. She's also the author of the book, Love at First Sight, Tips and Tales for Online Dating Success from Modern Day Matchmaker, and the co-host of a popular dating podcast called So We Met Online. Erica's work has been featured in media around the country, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR, and Ask Men, and she currently writes a weekly syndicated dating column. Erica studied economics at Cornell University and received her MBA from Georgetown. She has worked with over a thousand clients and is responsible for relationships, marriages, and the confidence some people simply need to get out there. I will say one more thing about Erica that most people don't know. Erica Etten is a pun champion. She goes to these pun competitions, pun, like P-U-N, people that are really witty. Yeah, this is who Erica is. It's hilarious to not only be friends with her, but just listening to her talk. So I'm very excited to introduce our first guest. Hey, Erica. Hi, I love that intro. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I don't think I've ever given you an intro like that before. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was like, wow, I want to meet her. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you are uh, an incredible person to know. So I'm Thank really you. happy that you're a part of this. Thank you. Me too. I feel like the last time we spoke, people were still stuck at home. And now I'm noticing that I've been getting more questions today about what they should do on their physical dates. Yeah, I've been getting those too. And I've pretty much been deferring to my individual clients because 
I don't feel comfortable at this point saying to someone, yes, you should go meet in person. No, you shouldn't. I'm certainly not the health authority. So I've been setting up phone calls or Zoom calls for my clients. And then should they decide after that on their own to plan an in-person date, they can do that. I'm letting them choose. And I'm, I'm telling them to respect whatever the other person chooses. Like if one person really wants to go out and meet in person and the other's not comfortable yet, you kind of have to go to the lowest common denominator, you know, the one who doesn't want to meet in person. And I'm trying to get everyone to just respect that because everybody's different. Let me go back to your bio <laughs> for a okay. second. You know, in your bio, it talks about how you're an expert at writing profiles and writing messages. Sometimes when I tell people what you do, and this is sometimes we'll get people who say, oh, that's unethical. I don't think it's right that someone else is writing messages on my behalf. And that's okay. I mean, I completely disagree, but what do you think about that? Well, I always tell people when they're considering working with us, you know what you're hiring us for. You are outsourcing your online dating. So if you're weighing your choices between not doing it at all and not going on dates or paying someone else to do it, a lot of people will choose the latter because they want to get out there. So, you know, it's a service that's not for everyone, of course. It's not for someone who is so type A that they think they'd be, you know, micromanaging me or you or us. But it is for someone who either doesn't have the time, doesn't want to make the time, or doesn't want to learn how to do online dating. Look, I'm not showing up in your dates for you. I only get it to the point of you two talking, and then it's all you. So basically, I make it as efficient as possible for people to connect. So where a lot of things fall through the cracks, I'm trying to speed up that process where it goes smoothly from talking to somebody online to whatever the date is these days. I get this question a lot to myself, so it's very interesting to ask you this question, but I mean, obviously in no way in your, there's no way your guidance counselor back in high school told you that you'd become an <laughs> online dating manager. Um, so no, you know, what were you I... pursuing before you <laughs> decided to choose this career and when did you start? So interestingly enough, Mesh.com started in the mid nineties and JDate actually, which I was the first one I used that started in 97 and I was in high school at the time. But anyway, uh, I started personally using online dating in 2001, which was very early, very early. Oh, stigma galore. Stigma galore. I mean, my parents, they thought I would meet some psycho stalker. You what know, website you know. did you sign up for in 2001? At, at the time I used JDate because I, I thought, at the time, it was important for me to meet someone Jewish. My attitude on that has since changed. But, and there weren't many out there. It was Match and J-Date, basically. That was it. There was no OkCupid. Okay that came out in 2003. So there weren't very many options. I think eHarmony was out by that time. So I did it on and off over the years. But no, I, math was my thing and economics. And look, I still love a good spreadsheet. There is no secret, like talk nerdy to me all day. So I studied economics because I thought it was the practical, marketable thing to do. And I took a job at Fannie Mae after college, thinking again, I should do the stable thing. I mean, hindsight, whatever, that wasn't stable. But throughout the whole thing, I still loved online dating. And I sort of combined two things I love, dating and spreadsheets. So I started a spreadsheet of my own online dating experience to sort of track my own results. And then I made little tweaks. Like if I write a shorter message, do I get a higher response rate? Yes. If I end with a question, do I get a higher response rate? Yes. <laughs> and my friends and the tweaks were working and my friends started asking me, you know, what are you doing that I'm not? Help me. Blah. So mm -hmm. On the one hand, I hated my job. And on the other, I was helping friends anyway and loving it. So, so what, what year was this? 2011. I quit my job. So it's been nine years. Wow. Well, I guess from then, I mean, the, the stigma had fallen dramatically after what, 2010? Yeah, but it was still out there. And at the time, there were no dating apps. Like Tinder right. didn't come out until 2012. So I had to really adapt my business pretty early on to take into account the dating apps. Like, you know, now I write a lot of Hinge and Bumble profiles, whereas back then it was all Match, He, Harmony, things like that. So I certainly had to, as we all do, adapt to the market. What was the demo breakdown of your clients then and versus now? Uh, that's pretty but I feel similar. like even my clients, you know, I started my business, my matchmaking business in 2008, 2009. My client demo has shifted dramatically. Younger? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. I think from 2008 to 2000, 
17. Most of my clients were maybe like over 45, probably over mm-hmm. 50. And now it's most of my clients are in their thirties and like early forties. It just seems, huh. I mean, I still have some clients who are, you know, early fifties, but it's certainly not the majority. I haven't seen a shift that big. My average client age is 45, but I have a lot of women over 60. That's probably my biggest demographic. And then it sounds like I do have fewer people in their thirties than you do, because even though a lot of people are using the online dating sites and apps, that doesn't mean they know they need to ask for help with the online dating sites and, and apps. From what I've you know, encountered, it's usually someone who's a bit older, a bit more established, who has the income to spend it on something like this. Do you ever have clients who hire you who just don't want to even learn online dating? Like they come to you oh, yeah. like, look, I'm not going to do this now. You do it for me. Yes. I love those clients because it's the ones who are in their accounts all day long, looking at every word, every period, every semicolon I'm using. And I do enjoy a good semicolon who are probably aren't the right fit because they clearly have the time to be doing it and they're driving me bonkers. So I like the people who say, you know what? I hired you to do this. I trust you. I mean, I do that with my financial planner. You know, he manages my retirement plan. I don't try to micromanage what he's investing in. That's why he does that for me. And and I hope that clients sort of relinquish control when they hire me so that I can do my job. Because a lot of people just love getting in their own way. We have some exciting news to share. We do. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I think so. That's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> One of our clients who hired us, um, she hired us for coaching and then she, you know, she did coaching with Erica. She did her online dating management part of our coaching program. She contacts on Friday to tell us that she moved in with a guy. They bought a house. Yeah. They bought a house. They've been dating for six months and they bought a house. And the best part was, so I, I found him on Bumble for her and I will say I always appreciated how open-minded she was about who she would meet, but she was like, yeah, he's not someone I would pick. And I'm like, you know, he seems nice. Give it a chance. Gosh, I love those stories. <laughs> when you told me, you, you texted me first before she could get to me and she's like, you're not going to believe it. You know, so-and-so just got in a relationship and they just bought a house. Like they bought a house. And I'm like, wait, what, what's going on? And you know, the thing about this particular person is that she lived really far away from a major city. Mm-hmm. So, and she worked in a major city. So like she had an insane commute. When you have a commute, that's less time to date people, no matter which way you look at it. Yep. And she's young. And the guy that you nudged her to go out with had a kid. Has a son. Yep. And I don't think she was open to children before talking to us. You know, I don't remember that, but I do, I just do appreciate how open-minded she was because, I mean, we see this all the time where people get this thing stuck in their head. I won't date someone who this, I won't date someone who that. And I mean, all, all you or I could ask of people is why. And if there's really no good reason as to why you're not opening, you know, yourself up to that person, then you should. And in this case, like she loves kids, whatever. And I mean, the picture she sent us. Just, they just look so happy and they know. adorable but she looks yeah. just so freaking happy and it just made me so it's such a rewarding part of our jobs because what we do is quite thinkless half the time let's talk about people being open to things so you know mm-hmm. you were saying we talked about that previous client who wasn't open to you know she was yeah. on the fence and you had to nudge her what about when people are not open to other things that online dating makes a lot more obvious like height religion race. And I just, yeah. I just do three things. Yeah. I mean, and, very and that's certainly divisive these days. So I wrote an article about this actually, how, you know, I try not to impart my personal beliefs onto my clients. Like I, I do personally think you should be as open as possible because mm-hmm. you don't know, but I also can't just smile and nod when someone says something that I think is so discriminatory towards an entire group of people for no reason. So I ask the clients why, like why they make the choices that they do. So for example, let's say somebody says, I only want to date, well, use myself. I only want to date someone Jewish. And if they're kind of on the fence about it, I'll say, well, why, you know, why is that important to you? And for myself, I did that same analysis and it was, I want someone to come to Passover once a year. (laughs) I'm not even religious. I love myself some bacon. So 
Well, like, you don't have to be true. I like that that's the, the measurement of if you're religious or not. Do you like Oh, yeah, me? that's funny. Pork <laughs> lo mein, yes, please. So I thought, oh, my gosh, they don't need to be Jewish to come to one thing every year. And to be perfectly honest, usually half my table is Jewish and half isn't. And I love being able to teach some traditions and cultures to my friends who aren't. So I took that why and realized that my reason wasn't good enough. And I ask clients to do that all the time because often they're excluding people based on societal pressure, judgment, or something they just like learned in their head or one experience. You know, I've had people go out with I mean, I get this all the time with clients who say, oh, I'll never date someone over this age who has never been married. That's just my client speaking voice, just FYI. It's also my dog speaking voice. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I'll actually do like a weird opposite thing. I'll, and I'll ask why. Oh, well, they're afraid of commitment, and I'll, which is not true. But I'll say, well, have you ever met someone divorced who's afraid of commitment? Well, yeah. Okay. So why are you attributing it to that one Thing. I mean, just like in statistics, you can paint whatever picture you want with what data you have. So you have to remember that every person of a certain race, religion, marital status, uh, parent status, whatever height is not the same. Let's talk, let's talk about the, the three different things that I mentioned. So I talked about height first. If you know me at all, you know how much First of all, if you don't know this, dear listener, I'm 5'11". <laughs> you, are, you are a tall woman. I am a tall and strong woman. I'm a short and strong woman. Yes. You, what is your height, Erica? 5'1". Five 5'1". One. Five one. I just carry myself tall. So. And I remember when I was single, and I, I, I did online date too once a very long time ago, but you know, even during the stigma time. I online dated. I always saw that height can be, when you're a tall woman, it's not as marketable. <laughs> I don't That's think true. a lot of men are searching for you and vice versa. A lot of women, they're not searching for certain heights either. And I think height is just one of those things that just tells you really nothing about someone's lifestyle, their character, their integrity. Like when the going gets tough, when there's a pandemic, <laughs> height is just one of those things that really doesn't matter. And if I hear another woman telling me, oh, I just want to feel protected, I always just think to myself, like, you know, your two biggest threats is identity theft and not washing your hands. That's literally it. It's, uh, I don't know how height helps you. Um, oh, that's amazing. And I remember when I, was, I remember when I was single, I would even like look up for men five foot nine and above. Like I knew that it, that part just didn't really matter. It didn't matter to me if I was a little taller because, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It's not, it's not really a big deal. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit wary of heightists. So let's just put that to the side. Let's talk yeah. about religion and race. So, well, just, just one yeah. more thing about height. I find that if I'm able to use a statistic, it helps me more with clients. So like, for example, I'm working with a woman right now who is, she's one of our, our mutual clients who's 5'10". And she's like, I only want six feet and above. And I said, just so you know, that's about 14% of the U.S. male population. So that speaks for itself. She now right. knows what percent she's cutting out if we only look at men six feet and above. So I find that using statistics often does help because it's not me saying, expand your horizon. It's math, exactly. Yeah, blame it on math. That's what I like to do. Especially oh, when someone is like, when someone says, oh, he has to be Jewish and six foot two. And I'm like, well, let me, let me give you some more math. Nope. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Jewish population like? one percent two percent in this country very small and then if you're looking for tall i mean it's just they're so superficial these things we know that and right. unfortunately men know tall men know that they're a hot commodity and unfortunately a lot of them get their confidence from their height which is nothing that they've earned they also get it from something else but i won't go there um and again they didn't earn that either so it's just something to take into account i love that I feel like uh, a lot of energy is wasted on both of those things. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> so in terms of excluding religions or races, this is where I think it gets really tricky when it comes to dating. It does. As I said in this article, I'm a dating coach. So part of my job is to ask people what they're looking for in a partner. And, you know, of course, there's a matter of, of race and ethnicity. So 
a long time ago, probably in 2009 or 10, OkCupid did a study that people who reach out to someone of the same race get a higher response rate. So we can all say we're a diverse society and we're open to people of you know, all size, shapes, and colors. But when it comes down to it, are we prejudiced? That was the question. I never use the word racist because that is that has a different connotation, but I do think it's there accusatory. are biases. So, mm-hmm. so I say here, I've seen so many instances of blatant bigotry in my work that I had to let it out. Isn't it still some form of discrimination if you say, point blank, I will not date an Asian man, or Hispanic women are not attracted to me, or is it just a matter of preference? The big question is, is this a loophole where it's okay to be prejudiced when it's dating because it's a preference of yours? And I I won't go on with it, but that's the question. I think it is a loophole, and I just can't encourage people enough to ask the why. That's how I ended this article. I would never choose anyone. I would never tell anyone to choo- who to choose. My job mm-hmm. is to get people out there on good dates. It's not to preach or tell people what's wrong or right. Because honestly, I don't know. And there's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of hearing arbitrary statements, as I know you are too, and who you will and won't date based on race or religion and nothing more. No context, no rationale. Um, so I don't want to smile and nod when all I really want to say is, Why? <laughs> I'm going to shift it from race to religion. Actually, you know, this is actually a perfect opportunity to take a Q&A. So Victoria is asking, what about very different religions? So I think what she's insinuating is, is it discriminatory <laughs> to not want to date different religions when you're online dating? No, I mean, again, it's a personal preference. As long as you've thought about the why and, and that's a, a reason, then that's fine. Like I work with a, a guy right now who's a cancer, which is like a, he leads Jewish services. And so he already knows he keeps kosher. He has to be at synagogue every Friday. He knows that he would much be much better suited for someone who's Jewish because that's his lifestyle and that's his why. And that's perfectly acceptable. So of course, if if it's really important to you, I think you should stick to your guns on that. I think for some people, spirituality and religion, which are two different things, but nonetheless... I think they can tell you a little bit more about a perceived value that that religion may have that you also value. I'm not saying that in any way that let's say the Jewish religion has the monopoly on family orientedness. It certainly does not. There are many religions that are family oriented and and whatnot. And the same, you know, I'm Greek Orthodox Christian and I meet Greek Orthodox women who constantly say to me, you know, he has to be Greek. And I ask them, you know, well, why does he have to be Greek? And they say, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to explain Easter, which is such a weird answer. Because <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like, kind of like your Passover example. It's like, well, what's there to explain? You explain it once and it's done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a, re- you know, it would be weird to keep having the same conversation with someone. I think with religion, it's, it's these are preferences. I think we have to look at them as preferences. Yeah. I mean, would it make life easier to be with someone of the same religion if they grew up similarly? Sure. Yeah. And is that good, a good enough reason? Sure. Right. It's as long as you've thought about it. That's, that's all that really matters. Right. Chris has a question. Erica, in working with men and women, is it actually true that the average woman will get an order of magnitude more messages, likes, and matches from men than men from women? What is your experience that Great makes the question. effective messages impactful? Two questions in there, both really mm-hmm. good. Um, one, the, the differences are not as much as people tell you. It's not like women are getting inundated day and night are some yeah the you know hottie 22 year olds sure fine but in general most people's success comes from who they send messages to because a lot of even if they're inundated which they're not a lot of people haven't read their profile and aren't appropriate for them anyway so don't use that and i'm not saying you are but don't use that as an excuse as to why you're not doing well at dating well women get No, my male clients have plenty of luck with, uh, let's not luck. They do plenty well with online dating, but you do have to be more proactive. So that leads to your next question. What do you say in a message? If you're on a site like match.com, I would recommend a little bit of a longer message than if you're on like a, a Bumble or a Hinge or a Tinder. Three parts of a good message. One, something about the other person's profile that catches your attention. Two, how it relates to you. Three, end with a question. Maria, really enjoyed reading your profile. I couldn't help but notice in your picture, he's just not that into you. You know, 
I read the book and it was kind of funny, but when I saw the movie, I was bored. What did you think? That's a good message. You just, I don't know if you actually have that book. I'm making it up, but it's really just latching on to one thing in that person's profile and asking about it. So on Hinge or on Bumble, if hopefully they've written something of note, just ask a question about it. Like, oh, I saw that you like to ski. Do you have a favorite place? Mine's Vail. That's a great message. That's it. Just make sure it has a question. Now, if the person has nothing written or all they've written is like, I like to have fun. They're not serious. They're just, well, uh... at first, that's probably someone I'd swipe left on because how serious are they? But second, it's really hard to write to someone when they give you nothing, no message bait, as I call it. So you can write whatever the heck you want. You can write, you seem like a genuine person. Am I right? You can write, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? You can say, are you a night owl or an early morning person? Or what should I know about you? That's the best you can do <laughs> with someone who doesn't give you anything. We have an audio question I want to take really quick. Uh, it's from Jemima. Hi. Hi, Jemima. Yeah, so my question is, uh, I've been seeing this guy, we've been dating, he's officially my boyfriend, which is great, for about, since before lockdown, so maybe four or oh, five wow. months. Um, Three months in lockdown is equivalent to like five years. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think oh, we've true. got slightly looser restrictions, so we've still been seeing each other, which has been good. My question is, I found out that some of his friends are really dodgy, like are either have been done prison time before or are still up to quite a lot of nefarious things. And although he says they're not his real friends, I want I think it might be like a major red flag that some of his friends are really dodgy. And they seem to be like in a few relationships at once, doing dodgy deals. Everything else is great. <laughs> Jemima, <laughs> that's interesting. Just really qu- quick question. Uh, how old are you? How old is he? We're both 29. In your three to five year life goals, do you want to have children? I mean, he probably does more than I do. I would at some point, but I'm not desperate for them. Okay. Well, you're 29. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But like, do, do, you, do you see yourself one day having children? Yes. Okay. So if that's the case, what I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, what are the 10 things that I would want in the future father of my children? And once you've written that, that bullet point list of adjectives, what I want you to do is compare that list to the person that you're dating. So some things that you might see on this list is someone who is um, reliable and consistent. Now I'm right now just judging for the person that you're dating without answering your friend question. I'm going to get to that in a second, but right now let's just judge the person that you're dating. Does he have what you're, what you're, what you're looking for on a long-term potential yes. and for some of those goals? Yes. So then when you look at your friends, what I think about is, look, for me personally, I've always felt like birds of a feather flock together. And I get very suspicious when people have bad friends. It's okay to have one dodgy friend or two maybe, but if the whole social circle is garbage, it's really concerning to me. To me, it's a red flag. And it makes me wonder if this is, you know, if these are just childhood friends and they feel some sort of nostalgia commitment to them, I can kind of give it a pass sort of, but you know, I think it's always been, I think it's really important for men to cultivate those, their relationships, whatever those relationships are. But why is he telling you that they're not really his friends? That's, I think what's concerning to me. Well, I raised concerns about them. I said to him that I found it really concerning that some of his friends are so dodgy. Um, You know, I found it really unsettling. He said, well, they're not my real, real friends. They're just mates. They're just mates. But I yeah, I mean, why introduce me otherwise? Who are his real, real friends? Erica, I could see you want to say something. I think this is a crazy conversation. I think you shouldn't, <laughs> I think you shouldn't project his friend's past onto your boyfriend. If he is nothing but wonderful to you, then enjoy it and don't look for reasons to right. exclude him. I just, that seems crazy to me. And I'm sorry, okay, I'm good. seeing it. Like, I'm no, seeing it. No, Erica, you. This is why I said, like, make a list, make a list of like what you, you know, what you want and compared to the person you're dating, because then it doesn't really, I don't know how much. Yeah, I mean, it's a factor if you find that you have to hang out with these people all the time. Like I used to date someone and I couldn't stand his friends. They were not sketchy people. I just didn't like them. That was a problem for me because I felt like I always had to hang out with them. That's different. This is like, 
Okay, he has some like friends. his pub mates that maybe yeah. they meet once a month or something. I don't know. If he's great, just take him at his word. Okay, good. Yeah. Fine. Just, I, yeah, I didn't know if I was just being a massive snob. And, I mean, maybe um, not. <laughs> I think also, I think it needs to be said too that you're coming, you know, you're calling us from the UK and you just said the magic word snob. And I do wonder... <laughs> How much does how much is class a factor in dating when it comes to the United Kingdom? Honestly, I really don't think it is. I think everyone's got an idea that we're either riding around on our horses with shotguns, or like. <laughs> we no, I mean, we're both nodding no, and I know you can see us. So. <laughs> okay, good, sure. I d- I don't know what impression you have of the UK. I don't personally think that classism has ever really been much of an issue, but I'm I'm sure it is in certain areas. I lived in London for such a long time that it's a very, what's the word? I've always lived in a very diverse area. So mm-hmm. it's been diverse in like race, religion, class, everything. But yeah, in this particular instance, especially we're both from similar places. So Right. You know what? It's what Erica said. Take him at his word, but also, you know, just reevaluate if this is the person you actually want to keep dating and has nothing to do with his friends. It has to do with like him. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that too. Great. Well, thank you very much. I have another question and it's anonymous. What can help when you are too cautious with online dating? Meaning when there is in the back of your mind, some suspicion that the person is not legit, is lying, or maybe a scammer or worse. I've been on many dating websites and cannot get over this feeling of suspicion, but I'm not doing better meeting people in real life. I think it needs to be said that there's five ways to meet people. And I'm sure I'll say this a thousand times in this podcast, but there's five ways to meet someone. And one of those ways to meet someone is online dating. Another way to meet that person is out and about. The other three ways, and those two ways of meeting people, you have to do detective work to figure out if this person is legit or, you know, a good person. Um, The other three ways of dating, which is meeting someone out and about, meeting someone at work, which I don't recommend, or meeting someone through a professional matchmaker, uh, those people are being vouched and you can see their, you can probably have a better and clear vision of their social circle to understand, you know, what kind of person is this and, you know, are they legit? (laughs) Are they married? Are they lying? Whatever. So if you are meeting someone online or if you are meeting someone out and about, you have to put on the detective hat. And there are very easy ways, I think, online to figure out if someone is a scammer or not just a scammer, just a a bad actor online. One of those ways is photos. If they have uh, photos that um, they're hiding themselves or they the photos look old. I mean, I find it inexcusable in 2020 for people to have shitty photos. We all have a camera in our pocket that has more pixel, like more megapixels, whatever, than uh, digital cameras had in 2002. Um, there's no reason for someone to have a blurry photo. Like just that simple visualization can tell you a lot about if this person's legit or not. The second thing I think is your messaging. So if they're not you know, I'm sure Erica, you'll, you'll, you can maybe back me up on this, but I feel like you should be getting on the phone sooner rather than later. And if they keep delaying the phone call or the FaceTime call or meeting in person, if they just keep talking and talking, talking to you, you might be talking to a scammer who is going to try to get you to fall, you know, get you to fall in love with them and then ask you for money. (laughs) Um, So there are certain things that you can do to online to, to make it less likely that you connect with a scammer. Yeah, I agree with all of that. There are certainly red flags you can look for, old pictures, one picture, information that doesn't add up. But I have to wonder for the person asking the question, if there was a bad experience or if it's just an overall feeling of apprehension. Because don't assume people are scammers, like innocent until proven guilty. So, you know, in trying to protect yourself from all of these scammers, you might be missing out on wonderful opportunities with real Mm -hmm. people. So similar to what I said to Jemima, you know, take people at face value until proven otherwise. Um, I actually probably less than anyone else in the field. I I don't recommend like doing background checks and all of this stuff. I'd rather you get information organically from someone, but yeah, I mean, if someone proves themselves to be not who they say you're done, but trust yourself enough to know that if you do discover that, you'll cut it off. You won't send money. You won't do crazy things. You know, you'll always meet in a public place or you'll get to communicating, like Maria said, sooner rather than later. So I would not go in thinking people are scammers. We don't know the people at restaurants. We don't know the people in the park. We don't know the people you meet at the bar. We don't know the people online. That doesn't make 
the people online more like less real. I'm not saying this very eloquently, but use your judgment, go with your gut, but don't go in assuming scammer until proven not do it the other way around. Let's go to our next audio question before we go on to uh, the remaining text questions we have. Hi, Chris, you're on. (laughs) So I just wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned earlier in your Ask a Matchmaker, someone asked you like how how often should, if you're in a relationship or dating, how often should you be in contact with the partner? And Mm -hmm. you were like every day. And I was just curious whether you think uh, in a COVID situation where it's like a long distance thing where it doesn't have to be daily. I mean, it just can be like you're thinking of them or you have something to talk about. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm just curious, like what's the basis for daily contact is essential? That's a great question, Chris. Someone did ask that on Ask a Matchmaker on my Instagram. How often should you be speaking to your significant other? I feel like you should be communicating every day in some way. I'm not saying you to have like three hour long winded conversations, but even a text check in, send a meme, say hello, do a quick FaceTime. I think that's just part of cultivating a relationship, especially in the beginning. And even in COVID, I think, or even long distance, I think even more so you need to check in every day because you don't have the opportunity to see each other. But like I said, it doesn't have to be a long-winded thing. It just has to be a check-in and that, that should happen every day. That's just how I've always felt about that because I know what it looks like when, when you don't. You know, I get women asking me questions saying, you know, I, he's my boyfriend, but we only, is it normal to talk to only twice a week? And I think to myself, no, it's not normal because you're asking me this question. <laughs> you know, it's clearly, it's, you know, this person's not meeting your communication expectations. And I think for a lot of people, communication expectations means talking every day. If this relationship ends up being something, you know, long-term and it ends up being the person you marry, guess what? You have to learn how to communicate every single day too. And it's not going to be always interesting communication. Sometimes it is a check-in. I really think it depends on the people and it depends on how new the relationship is. My advice to pretty much every question is if you don't know, ask. So if you don't know how often to talk with your partner, I would ask your partner, how often would you want to be talking? I know it's weird with COVID and see what he or she has to say. Would I want every day? Yeah. But I mean, I feel like, okay, in the beginning, like you just, so I think these are the two different things, right? In the beginning, you said in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and I'm, because the person that asked me this question is asking about their significant other. And I feel like when I hear, I don't know how, I don't know how how significant, significant is. Oh, well, goodness. Okay. Do most people want daily, most women want daily communication? Yes. Um, But if you're not sure, just, just ask, like, how often would you want to communicate right now? Chris, thanks for the question. Erica. Yes. I'm feeling online dating fatigue. I'm on two Mm -hmm. apps and I'm just not connecting with anyone. What can I do to combat this? Well, I would ask, but what do you mean you're not connecting with anyone? Does that mean you're not getting matches? Does that mean you're not having conversations? Does that mean your conversations are going nowhere? Because that can mean many different things. Um, I don't care how many matches you get. I care that your matches are converting into conversations and dates. So maybe the focus should be a little bit different, but everyone gets online dating fatigue at a certain point. Take a break for a week. Who cares? Take a break for a month. Um, Switch dating sites. If you're tired of looking at the format of one site, try a paid site versus a free site or a free site versus a paid site. Try one that you can log in on your laptop versus your phone. So many different options. But if you feel like you can't go on a date and put your best foot forward, take a little break. That's fine. But I would still like to drill down on what you mean by not connecting because oftentimes when people say online dating is not working for me, when I drill down on it, they're not really setting themselves up for success, meaning not having conversations with people they match with and then not converting those conversations into dates. So I'd be curious because those are all sort of different parts of the process. You like the best dating tip you've ever given for online dating fits into this context. What is it? The 55 rule? Yeah. So like, let's say you're swiping on Bumble, for example, I have this 55, 50, not five, five, 50 comma five rule where, I mean, online dating can get very addictive, right? You could be swiping day, night, toilet, bed, work, doesn't matter. And that's terrible. So I would rather you sit down and swipe on 50 people. If you hit five matches before you get to those 50 people, stop and write to all five of those people. If you don't get to five matches, you do your 50 and you put it away. 
That way you can't swipe all day long. It can't get as addictive. And you know that once you hit those five, you're actually going to try to have conversations with them. Now of those five, let's say two answer you, which is in the realm of possibility. Some people will not answer. I'll get to that in a second. Let's say of those two, one converts into a date or a conversation. That's a really good ratio. I get a lot of female clients asking, well, I write on Bumble first. Why don't the men write back? And I hate to say this, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but men and women do, and this is a generalization, which I know I said not to do before, but in general, men and women do online dating very differently. Um, it starts the same. You don't like someone, you don't like the first picture, swipe left. Everybody does that the same. Most men, they like the first picture, they swipe right. Most women, they like the first picture, they look at the rest of the pictures. They like the rest of the pictures, they look at the profile. They make sure you can write incomplete sentences. They make sure you're not just looking for a hookup. They make sure you, whatever, whatever. If you pass all of those criteria, they swipe right. So a match does not mean the same thing to two people. A match for a woman generally means she would go out with you. A match for a guy generally means he at least liked your first picture. He may never go back to look at the rest of your profile. He may decide later he doesn't like the rest of the pictures, whatever. So just keep that in mind. It's not personal. It's just that it's a different process. I love that. I, that was, uh, that was really entertaining. Oh, thank you. I, feel <laughs> I, like I, uh, I love that you diagram. broke down the genders. You know, the other thing I've noticed is, um, when I look at photos of men versus women, it's like women, you know, I think women, sometimes some women look at this as like a marketing plan, which I think is a great way to approach dating. Like they'll have really good photos and they try to show how fun and flirty they are. And with men, I feel like sometimes the photos that men put up are not really for women. It's like, oh, I would put this up for other men. Like, oh, look at my car. Look at this I fish know. I caught. Like, who is that for? That cannot possibly be for a single woman in your city. I feel like I should start a site just for men who want to show off their muscles to other men. Because let right. me tell you, Hey, even though I work out every day and I want a guy who cares about that in general, whoa, we don't want to see how the sausage is made. We just want to see it in clothing. The end. Right. <laughs> Somebody just private messaged us. I hate the fish. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> we all hate the fish. Um, don't get us wrong. Both men and women, there are some people with great pictures and some with terrible pictures. So I don't want the men to think we're necessarily picking on them. But I mean, here are some things to avoid. Don't do shirtless pictures. Um, for women, I hate to say this, but if you reveal too much of your body, that's all men are looking. I mean, they can't, look, I would look at your boobs if that's all you have on there, right? So just be conscious of what you're putting out there. Remember your audience. I posted something today on Instagram, on Bumble, there's a prompt. What would your third grade teacher, what did your third grade teacher say about you? And this disgusting guy wrote that I'm good in bed. Ew, and yeah, ew, exactly. And it created this whole conversation about how men find that funny somehow. And I just, I said, find one woman who finds, nobody finds that it's gross and it's poor taste. So like you <laughs> use your judgment. I've got two good questions for you and then we're going to wrap this up. Okay. Um, wrap right. this up. I have to, I'm going to wrap it up with a, with a happy story too. So I'm really excited. So this is actually a question I get constantly and I'm so happy to have someone else answer it. So yay. I met someone online and we have set up a date for next for a week from today do we keep messaging each other in the meantime i'm scared of it falling through the cracks great question i would not recommend texting every day every communication you have before a date and i'll be curious maria if this aligns with what you what advice you give but every communication you have before a date is what i call an obstacle to the first date. So someone says something stupid that's an obstacle they've thrown up in front of themselves someone sends in an inappropriate gif whatever. Uh, someone says something that gets misconstrued. So I would not recommend texting every day. You can check in midweek if you want to, but the way it won't fall through is if you confirm. You have to confirm at least a day before the date and not in a week are we still on way, but in a confident looking forward to seeing you tomorrow way. I don't care who confirms, but just do that. If the person's going to flake or cancel, they'll flake or cancel whenever the date is. So all you can do is assume that the date is on unless someone tells you otherwise. But no, I would not communicate every day. You can check in once or twice, but really just save it for the date. I like that. That's actually what, that's exactly what I say. I always say, stop, Good. stop becoming pen pals. I'm, you know, don't talk just, you could check in, you can confirm. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't want you, they're not going to forget about you if you've confirmed it. 
absolutely. And if and, you need confirm it, like open table that shit. <laughs> yeah, like, or just, I mean, the day before, just say looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Now, right. here's a question, a follow-up question that I get sometimes, and there's no good answer. What if you send looking forward to seeing you tomorrow and the person doesn't reply? I don't have a good answer. I don't know if they're going to show up or not. As the coach, I would so maybe say- maybe should be open-ended. Yeah, but then are we still on is so like- I, I know. Are we, I, hate so the, are we, I hate it when it's, are we still on? Because I mean, we, we planned it. You want me to say no? Well, so, no, it's not even that. When you say, are we still on? It's just so easy for you to like get out of it. Correct. Like, you're no, like giving them about. an out. Right. So I don't have an answer to that question. They should respond. If you say after that, Hey, like the next, like the day of the day, Hey, I haven't heard from you. If I don't, um, I'm not going to show up. I think that would be more than appropriate, but I'm just like be good people. Be good people. Be where you say you're going to be. Don't stand yeah. people. You know, I've had people stand people up for Zoom dates. Like, how hard is it to log into the app for crying out loud? If you need to reschedule, reschedule. All right. One last question before I end this in an awesome note. Um, what are the most important questions to be asked and discussed on the first date? As a first date expert, because <laughs> truly I am a first date expert. I've set up 3,000 first dates in the island of Manhattan. I'm not even counting <laughs> dates I've set up in LA, Seattle, Boston, London, whatever. Like just in Manhattan. I know because we have an open table account. We have four open table accounts because sometimes you so can't have two dates at once on your open table account. And all of them are like platinum level. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are the most important dates to be asked and discussed? Stop going in with questions. To me, it's create the report to pretend they're your actual friend and ask them, hey, so what are your plans this weekend? Tell me, oh, tell me more about that. Oh, where was the last place you traveled to? Like, what would your third grade teacher say about you? Mm -hmm. So I always feel like really good first dates are not interviews. They are organic and you talk about your life. And if you feel like you're bored on a first date, I feel like that is... I feel like that's a, that's a, that's a red flag. You should not be bored on a first date. First dates are meant to be fun. And if you have fun, you should go on a second date. A really easy way though, to get to the, to that rapport though, is to do a few things prior to your date. One, if you're online dating, you better look like those photos. Nothing will kill the vibe of an online date if you don't look like your photos. And you know what? If you don't know if you look like your photos, literally send me your photos and, and, and selfie yourself. And I will tell you if you look at your photos. Because some of you, man, I've seen some of your photos and I'm like, you do not look like that. So that's the first thing you can do to, to actually ensure you're going to have a great date. The second thing you're going to do when you go on your date, other than dressing the part, you know, you, this is not the time to come out with, you know, your, your flip flops. This is, you know, like, please get dressed for a date. This is 2020. You can Google. There's plenty of guides out there. But the next thing you should do on a date is sit perpendicular or sit side by side. Do not sit across on a first date. I feel like it just creates this sterile obstacle. It's not, you know, you need to create rapport and the best way to create rapport is to get close. And I feel like if you do, do those two things, then the conversation, the rapport is just going to easily flow. You're, you don't need to do come in with questions. I agree with also, everything you just said. But let me go back to like something that's really, like I said, I'm a first date expert. The point of first date is not, to figure out if this is the future father of your children. It's not to figure out if this is your boyfriend. It's not to figure out if how much money this person makes or whatever you, you want to learn on a first date. No, 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 no. The point of a first date is to go on a second date. Should you go on a second date? All you have to answer is, did I have fun on the first date? Yes. Then I should go on a second date. When in doubt, go back out. Oh, I love that. I like to rhyme sometimes. All right. Prior to COVID, we had group coaching programs. And with COVID, that was not possible. So we transitioned them into virtual coaching intensives. If you're interested, you can go to our website and sign up. In any case, I received an email from one of our graduates and I really want to read it to you. I feel like there's a lot going on right now and receiving this testimonial from one of our graduates really just made my day. And I want to read it to you. I hope it inspires you and it motivates you that even with pandemics, love is still possible. So here's what she wrote. I really cannot express to you all the strides I've made since this class. First of all, green is definitely my winning color and I've made a conscientious effort to avoid purple and wear less black. Parentheses, I do color psychology in our intensive. 
Anyway, she continues. I kept my best friend in the loop with everything I was working on so she could help keep me on track. If I get distracted by a shiny object, she'll literally text me boink like she's hitting me with a stupid stick. So I know I need to take a step back and look at things in a different way. I've recently met a man who is emotionally intelligent. We're only three dates in, but he isn't afraid to express his feelings or tell me I'm beautiful. And he texts me every day, so I know I'm on his mind. He's calm and patient and much quieter than I am, but somehow I don't feel as anxious as I have in the past. I'm really excited to see where this leads. However, I'm not scared for it to end. I know that dating is building my confidence and isn't something to be afraid of. I'm starting therapy soon and I'm so excited to better myself. Also, I've started to broaden my network slowly but surely and cannot wait for life to fully get back to normal so I can continue doing so. Thanks for your help and love always. Erica, it was really nice having you on the first episode of Ask the Matchmaker. Well, you know I love working with you, so I'm more than honored to be your first guest. Awesome. So here's how you can work with Erica. If you're interested in working with Erica, you can actually go to agapimatch.com and enroll in one of her services. So she does online dating management for our clients. If you want her to take over your online dating profile for three months, literally shoot us an email info at agapimatch.com and we'll talk about it. She also does profile makeovers. She can give you message templates. There's, there's different ways to work with her. Erica, what was the name of your book? Love at First Sight, S-I-T-E. And we're going to put that, um, that link as well in the information. You can also find Erica's Instagram. A little, a nudge. little nudge. Yeah, yeah a little nudge. Her Instagram is hilarious. She basically puts all the, all the what you should not do online. It's on her hilarious. It's fantastic. Um, I will also put that in the details. Want more dating and relationship tips? Slide into my DMs on Instagram at matchmakermaria. Warning, I do screenshot. Thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you love what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have a dating or relationship question or any big ahas you'd like to share, email askamatchmakerpodcast at gmail.com. Until then, see you next week.